Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. God is working all things together for good. All things. Because all things fall subject to Him. Um, But all things are not initiated by Him. All things are not initiated by Him. However, all things do at the end of the day, fall subject to him. Um, Everything is being masterfully woven together, even the enemy, even the enemy's greatest attempts, even darkness and wickedness and corruption and all of what powers and principalities and the spirit of the age, all of that, that they believe that they are working towards their own advance or advantage. Even they too become instruments. They become tools. They fall subject to this worthy one that we sang about, this exalted one, this great king of kings and lord of lords, this man alive on the other side of the grave, first born from the dead, the preeminent one, the glorious one, the majestic one, the high and lifted up son of God, Jesus. Um, Everything falls subject. And I know that at times the tension of that is difficult to try and reconcile all of the situations that uh, maybe we see as difficulties, maybe we see as points in different periods of suffering, maybe just things that are super complicated because they're not the way that we would like them to be. Um, The world is a broken place. We understand that. Um, The world is a broken place. There is sin, there is darkness, there is corruption, there is wickedness, there is the spirit of the age, there is powers, there are principalities, there's an unseen realm, high places of spiritual dark authorities. Um, There is all of these things simultaneously woven into, simultaneously in our experience. And and so there's, there's tension. We know that. There's tension. Um, there's real tension. And I'm not just talking about like um, stuff that we just don't like. I'm talking about real tension. Um, there's tension. Um, but in that, uh, it's important that, that we define the terms correctly. Um, God can use all things, but he's not the initiator of all things. We have to understand that the enemy has an agenda. That powers and principalities have an agenda. That darkness and dark forces are initiating works. They are inspiring people. Again, we've talked about these things um, historically in previous weeks. Powers and principalities. According to Ephesians 2, there was once a time when everyone was in bondage. Everyone. Everyone. Um, It's not, well, I'm good, I'm bad. It's not, well, you know, I I see myself as a respectable and integrous individual, uh, but I'm separate from Jesus. I don't really need, no, no, no. the categories are clear. Um, At one point, everybody fell into a specific category. What category is that? Um, Under the tyranny, a prisoner of the power of the air. Everyone, not some, everyone fell into this category. A prisoner to the power of the air. Subject to the spirit of the age, the lustful self-indulgence of the heart and of the mind. Again, the governance of the spirit of the age to sever you from the loving leadership of God himself, 
to cause you to be a rebel to where what is in your heart and what is in your mind that is being led through the gratification of this fleshly self-indulgence. It sounds like this, whatever I want or whatever I think is best. At one point, we were all in that category. We were all captive to the powers of the air. This is what Paul says. You read Ephesians 2 for yourself. Um, Beginning in Ephesians 2, this is the verbiage. This is the communication. But he says, praise God for his tender mercies in Christ, that God himself has come and paid the price that no man was ever going to be able to pay, but that God put himself into a human container. God became a man, as mind-boggling as that may be. God put himself as an embryo. God entered into the womb of a woman. And God brought himself into the experience of human life and walked among us. And he satisfied the accusation of sin and death and the grave. And he laid his life down. No man takes it from me. Right before Jesus was murdered, he was surrendered. And it's important that we see it that way. He says, for the Father has given me power. I know where I came from. I know who I am. He's given me power to lay my life down, to pick it back up again. You you have to understand it. No man actually takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. No man has a greater love than this, that he would be willing to lay his life down for those that he loves, for those that he serves, for his friends. I no longer call you my servants, but I call you my friends and no man has a greater love than this, that he would be willing to lay his life down to serve the friends that he loves. No man takes it. I lay it down. Satisfying the accusation of sin, death, the grave, the penalty of death, the ultimate enemy at the end of our life, which at one point was death, right? David writes, Paul echoes in 1 Corinthians 15, talking about the mystery of the resurrection. He says, oh, death, where is your sting? Meaning that the sting of death has been removed because God has become a man and he has satisfied the wrath of God by making atonement as the sacrificial lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He is the perfect offering to satisfy the wages of sin. And he laid his life down, all the way down into the grave and down into the depths of hell. But because Colossians 1 tells us that the Father was pleased to put the fullness of God into Christ as a man on the earth. Jesus, fully man, fully God, fully filled, possessed with the Holy Ghost lays himself into the grave and the Holy Ghost comes thundering into the depths of hell to raise Jesus up on the other side of death. And this is what the firstborn from the dead so that he might have preeminence in all things. He is first, he is central in everything. And he is glorified on the other side of death, alive, exalted and ascended. And he's seated in the heavens right now. And everything we know, or not Ephesians 2, but we're in Ephesians 2, but Psalm 2, he is seated, he is at rest. And he is awaiting the day while the nations are raging. 
right? While the nations are raging, while the rulers of the age, they are hostile towards Yahweh and his anointed one. This is the son seated at the right hand, the king of kings. The nations are raging, the spirit of the age, the rulers of the age, powers and principalities. They are hostile towards the father. They are hostile towards Yahweh. They are hostile towards the ancient of days. They are hostile against the most high and his rightful ruler, his son, this man seated in the heavens, this beautiful broken man who rules, who reigns. He's not rivaled. He's not anxious. He's not messed up trying to figure out what he's going to do because of the authorities that roam the earth. He's not bent out of shape. He's not panicking. He's not frantic trying to figure out at the conclusion of the age, at the consummation of the age, at the end of time as we know it, when his father releases him. He's not worried about competition in the earth. He's not worried about competition with darkness. He's not messed up because of the power of the wicked one. These things are not a worry for him. He is seated. He is at rest. He has overcome. Fear not. For in this world, you are going to have Many troubles, you're going to have a lot of sorrows. You're going to have problems, as a matter of fact. Because if the world hated me, it's going to hate you too. For if they hated me, they're going to hate you. But fear not. For in this world, you have many troubles. But I have overcome the world. Jesus has conquered the world. The worthy one has overcome. When there was a search, as John was seeing in his glorious throne room vision. And there was a search that was initiated because someone, someone who was worthy had to be found to open the scroll, to break the seal. And no one was found in the heavens. No one was found throughout the earth. And there was none to be found under the earth. John began to weep because there was none found worthy. But then the angel touched him and said, don't weep, here comes the lamb, here comes the lion of the tribe of Judah, here comes the man who overcame, here comes the perfect offering, no spot, no wrinkle, no blemish, there is one that is worthy to break open the seal and to open up the scroll. There is one that is worthy to rule all of creation to the uttermost throughout the universe. There is one that is worthy, this preeminent one, this pattern son. There is one that is worthy and it is Jesus, the Lamb of God. Paul says at one point, everybody was a prisoner. Everybody was in bondage. But God saw fit that though we were at one point dead in our trespasses, we were dead in our sin. We were dead being prisoners of our own self-satisfaction. We were captives to what we wanted and what we thought was best. Um, We're building something here. He said at one point we were prisoners. We were captives. We were in bondage. But because of God's own desire to reconcile his creation unto himself and into himself, He allowed his son to purchase a people with the payment of his own blood. 
Right, We know this in Revelation 7, 9, a people, every tribe, nation, and tongue, an inheritance, a glorious harvest gathered round the throne, the inheritance of Jesus that he, that he purchased with his own blood, a people purchased with the blood of the Son because of God's desire to reconcile his people to himself. We are now no longer dead in our trespasses, but we are alive to God. Listen to that. If you are born again, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have pledged your allegiance, you've surrendered your life, you have bowed your knee, you are living no longer for yourself, what you want, what you think is best, but you have given your life over to the one that died on your behalf. He was raised out of hell on your behalf. He conquered the grave on your behalf. And now the life that lifted him has been put into you. You are now alive to God. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you've been brought into union with this beautiful man with the son. And so you have the father who has brought his sons and daughters into this beautiful union where we now have communion with the son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we are considering the reality of this, Paul begins to continue in his exhortation in Ephesians chapter two. And he says, because of all of what God has done, you are no longer the people that you used to be. And he begins to talk about the wonderful wisdom of the cross. He begins to talk about how the cross, the wisdom of the cross, the power of the blood, God's own desire to lay his life down and to reconcile humanity into fellowship with himself union with his son, his spirit alive on the inside of a people that are now no longer what they used to be. Because again, if any man be in Christ, he is no longer what he used to be. He is no longer a prisoner to the spirit of the age. He is no longer a captive to self-indulgence. He is no longer in bondage to his own thought process, into his own fleshly carnal desires. But now if any man be in Christ, he is no longer what he used to be, which we already created the category. He is no longer what he used to be, but he's now a new creature, a new creation, a new version of human a new version of humanity. He's alive to God. And by the power of that spirit, 2 Corinthians 5, 5, God has put the Holy Ghost in us right now as a down payment, as a deposit of the fullness of things to come. We are carriers of divine life. We are carriers of a precious spirit that does not belong to this world. We are carriers of God's own life and it is alive and it is powerful and it is real on the inside and it is performing a work. Romans 8 tells us that those who have fit their life into the category that we're talking about, right? Those that have come to believe, we've already described or defined what we mean by believe. You're no longer dead in your trespasses. You're no longer a prisoner of the category of the spirit of the age, but you're alive to God. Those who have come to believe, they have been predestined. 
right? And this is not Calvinism, Arminianism. They have been predestined by the Father's desire unto what? To be conformed into the image of the Son that he loves. This beautiful man, um, fully God, fully human, this divine human, Jesus. And the Father is conforming us into the image of Jesus. It's happening right now. This is what we've been predestined for. There's a work happening on the inside of your life right now to make you more like Jesus. Not just behavioral modification tricks, not just learning how a work without any real life or work producing them from the inside of you. Uh, you can just learn new tricks, but this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a beautiful, divine work that is happening on the inside of you that does not belong to you. It belongs to God. You didn't initiate it. You're not sustaining it. You're not the one that is ultimately going to have the power to perform it or to fulfill it, but it is God's work. It is by his desire. It is happening right now. It is alive on the inside. He's more committed to it than you are. He's the one with the power to fulfill it. He's the one that ultimately has an objective for it. It all belongs to him because it's from him, it's being worked by him, and it is all going to be back to him. Praise God forever. But Paul is communicating to us that because of this work, this work has now made way to create a new people in the earth. And this is us. He says the wall of hostility has been demolished. The dividing wall has been torn down. All of our natural, worldly, fleshly lenses, preferences, distinctions that we used to use to create arguments to be divided, to create arguments to produce hostility, to create conversations where we could subject ourselves to these divisions and we could embrace them and argue why they're right and we could be separate and other than all of these things have been conquered through the payment of God's own blood, which has now purchased for himself by his own desires, a new people that are filling the earth. And that's us. We are a part of this new people. We are a part of this new creation. We are a part of this new version of humanity. You and I, if you have given your life to Jesus, if you have been born again by the power of his spirit, if you are being conformed into the image of this wonderful, broken, divine, human Jesus Christ, you and I are a part of this new family. Um, but it's important that we understand that this new family is no longer catering to the spirit of the world. Because it has conquered the world. And the spirit that is in us is the same spirit that it was in Christ. The spirit that is in us is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The spirit that is in us is the same spirit that fueled him to be able to overcome the world. The system of the world. The spirit of the world. 
the rulers of the age, the bondage to powers and principalities. You and I are no longer prisoners of self-indulgence. You and I are no longer prisoners to what we want most and what we think is best. But there's a spirit that is right now, it's burning on the inside. It's performing a work on the inside. And it is creating a separation from the world and the world system. Though we are in the world, we are not of the world. Though we are in the world, we are not to be of the world. And so we are in it, but we are separate from it. We are a family that has been planted in the midst of it, but we are a family that carries hope because our announcement and our offering is that we are here to proclaim the gospel. And this is the hopeful offering, the hopeful announcement in a corrupt and perverse generation, in a dark world under the tyranny of sin you and i are a part of a family that is supposed to be bringing hope to a world and its system by offering a way out of it through pledging our allegiance to a jesus that is king over it um but it is difficult to do that when we are getting wrapped up in the ways of the world um it is hard to offer people hope out of the world when we are deeply embedded into the ways of the world. Um, and this is, this is what Paul is getting to in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read some verses, uh, and I'll just read them. I have my Bible here. I'll do that uh, for anyone who may be troubled because I haven't done that yet. Um, we started last week in verse 14, uh, and we'll pick that up again. We'll just start in verse 14. Uh, we'll use that to create a context. Uh, then we'll make it land uh, really good and really hard in real time um, with circumstantial things that are going on right now. Uh, but let's pick it up in verse 14. It says, for he himself is our peace. Uh, we dove headfirst into this last week. Who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man. We'll come back to this. Thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity or the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling, into an abiding place, into a habitation for God by his Spirit. Uh, we have to see ourselves as a brand new people, so that we just don't 
give way to the spirit of the world in order to cluster up in different ways and just be groups of people that claim to be Christians but are yet um, still in certain ways bound by or entertaining or embracing the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is desperately trying to divide us. The spirit of the world is jealously trying to make us hostile towards one another. Um, the spirit of the world does a great job at creating categories, creating different distinctions, causing us to see one another by our preferences, see one another by these different categories and conversations, understand one another, interact with one another by things that are ultimately their fleshly, um, by things that are carnal, um, by things that are worldly. And by way of me saying worldly, I mean they are subject to the world system. Um, they are invitations from the world system in order for us to categorize one another and interact with one another. Um, what does that look like? Paul tells us right here that we are a new family and that this family, God has planted it in the nations of the earth in order to now be ambassadors of this king and his kingdom. We are representatives of Jesus and we are living as representatives in the moment of history that we have been given to be alive. We are stewarding this moment in history as representatives of Jesus, right? This sounds super simple, but we're going somewhere. We are stewarding this moment in history as representatives of Jesus. As representatives of Jesus, this is primary, this is ultimate, this is central, this is everything. This is our identification, it is our definition, period. Not representative of Jesus and, not representative of Jesus alongside of. Not representative of Jesus secondary or supplemental to my primary way of identification. No, we are ambassadors of this king. My life doesn't belong to me. It's no longer my own. I'm no longer living under the tyranny of sin. I'm no longer in bondage to the spirit of the world. This is real. Praise God. I am not what I used to be, but I am now what I am by the grace of God. He's done a work in me. That work is something that is authentic. It is powerful. It is divine. It is by God's desire. It wasn't just a one-time thing 20 years ago, but it's an ongoing thing until Till the moment that I am married to this beautiful man on that great day of the marriage supper of the lamb. But right now I no longer belong to myself. That's what being a representative actually means. That's what being an ambassador is all about. We are revealing this wonderful man in the earth while we have time to be alive. We are representing Jesus to the nations of the world, representatives representing Jesus. And for this, it's important that we see it clearly, that we understand it simply, because once we see it right, once we understand it right, it makes it very simple to navigate all of these other seemingly difficult conversations that the world tries to present to us. I have to see Jesus. I have to be able to see Jesus enthroned above all things. You are exalted. 
You are enthroned. You are above it all. You're not right. You're not left. You're above. You're not right. You're not left. You're above. You're not even center in the middle of right and left, trying to create some radical middle point. You're above. You're enthroned. You are at rest. You are seated in glory. You are everything. And I have to be able to see him this way. I have to be able to see him this way so that I'm not trying to simply Look through the crowd like some Where's Waldo book, trying to find Jesus in the world's conversation. I have to be able to see Jesus enthroned above all of the conversations that the world is trying to come at me with, trying to put pressure on me with, trying to make me engage and entertain, and ultimately at some point, sadly enough to say, embrace. I have to be able to see him. As this worthy one, the rightful ruler, the one who has overcome the world, the one who at the time the father has determined and desires will release him to return and he will come. You can bank on that. He will come and he will deconstruct all of the world system. He will dismantle all of powers and principalities. He will evict the wild beasts. He will dethrone the power and the tyranny, the governor, if you would, of sin by way of an inheritance into humanity. He will dethrone it and he will evict it forever. He is the one that is all powerful. And it's important that I see him rightly. I have to see him rightly in order to perceive myself correctly. I must see him rightly, the enthroned ruler of all things. When the search went on in the heavens, throughout the earth and under the earth, John began to weep because there was none found worthy. But then the worthy one appeared. We have to have a clear vision in our hearts of the worthy one because it is the worthy one that has paid the price, purchased a family with his own blood. It is his inheritance from the nations of the earth. Do you know what Jesus gets at the end of the age? He doesn't get votes. He doesn't get likes. He doesn't get more subscribers. He gets you. You are his inheritance. I am his inheritance. A people, yes, a people generally, but a person individually. A people from every tribe, from every nation, from every tongue. At the end of the age, Jesus gets a family as his inheritance. At the end of the age, Jesus gets rewarded with this people that he gets to marry, the bride, the church, 
He gets to marry himself. That great marriage supper of the lamb. The bridegroom finally gets to marry the bride in the way that he's always desired. This bride that he thought was to die for. This people that he paid for with his own blood. This inheritance from the nations purchased with his own life. This family reconciled to God now living as his representatives throughout every moment in history until the consummation of the age. What does Jesus get at the end of time? He gets you to be able to enjoy eternity with. He gets you. You are the prize. You are the inheritance. You are what he laid down his life for, what he purchased with his own blood. You are the reward of the worthy one who saw fit, though no man took his life from him. Again, before we consider Jesus being murdered, Jesus was a man that was surrendered, full of the spirit, completely filled, totally yielded, surrendered. You are the reward, the inheritance, this possession that Jesus longs for. That Revelation 19, 7 moment that all of our hearts, they ache for. We long for it. Because again, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says right now we're in a fleshly tent. Right now we are. But we groan. We long. There's an ache on the inside because we know that while we are leaning in the direction of the future, that the future is leaning in our direction. And that at the consummation of the age, at the end of time, that great marriage supper of the Lamb, what we right now have this painful ache and longing for, to be able to behold him and to be married to him forever, this bridegroom king, Jesus the Son. Right now, there's a painful ache. But we have to be able to see him rightly so that we can perceive ourselves correctly because right now we are living in the tension of all of what we know to be real and that day that we await. Right now we are living in the tension where we have it now, but it is still not yet. And we are waiting for the fulfillment of the fullness of everything that God has promised. And we are living in a world um, that if I'm just going to say is pretty crazy. Um, things are nuts, right? You know that I know that. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, you know what, man, every time I think that stuff just can't get any crazier, that like, st it, like it can't possibly get any crazier than what we have going on right now. I get up the next day and I'm always seem to be surprised. Because right when I think that things just can't outdo the amount of crazy that we've seen and that we've been pressed into to interact with, to bring the announcement of the gospel and to fulfill God's purposes, ta-da, things get way more insane. Um, so we are living in a world that is broken and that's why things are crazy. We're living in a world that is under the tyranny of sin. We're living in a world that is in bondage to self-indulgence. We're living in a world that has become rebellious. They are independent and they are rebels to the loving leadership 
of our bridegroom king, right? This is the spirit of the age. We began here, Ephesians 2, the spirit of the age, severing loving obedience and loyalty to Jesus as king, living under the tyranny of sin, subject a prisoner to self-indulgence, whatever I think I want most, again, the content of the heart, and whatever I think is best, this is what I'm going after. And this is the world that we live in. But Paul says we are to be a different kind of people because there's a different kind of work happening on the inside of us. Paul says that we are to be a family planted in the midst of other rebel families, that we are to be ambassadors, that we are to be representatives planted, yes, uniquely as a local expression, but then that local expression uniquely planted throughout the nations of the world and that we are to be a different people. We are not to be a people that entertain the spirit of the world. We're in the world, but we're not to be of it. We're not to be a people that embrace the worldly conversations that lead to greater places of division, greater places of hostility, greater places of unique suffering as we polarize one another because of the conversations that we've gotten entangled into. We are to be a different people. We are to be a family that shines bright because of the hope of the gospel that has actually come crashing into our hearts, that has filled us with a life that is not from this world, but it is from above. It is the life of God. It is the precious Holy Spirit that has made us now a family that is a new creation, a new version of humanity. And we are now representatives. We are a demonstration of what is to come right here, right now. We are the inheritance of Jesus announcing the gospel, offering a broken world real hope. Real hope, why? Not because we're trying to satisfy their conversation with the solutions that they think they want. No, because our king has conquered their conversations and his solution is repent and put your faith in the gospel. Become a new creation, be filled with divine life, the Holy Spirit, and live as ambassadors for me until the moment of my return. This is the real solution to the woes of the world and the brokenness and the corruption and the darkness that at one point is going to be judged and will pass. This is real hope. It is the only solution that provides actual hope that will be eternal and will not just be subject to an immediate resolution. Um, because all of the world's immediate resolutions uh, ultimately have an expiration date, um, whether now over the next days of the calendar or whether at the end of the age, when everything that has been initiated, everything that has been constructed, everything that has been championed according to the world system, again, the tyranny of sin powered by self-indulgence, power, fame, lust, fortune, all of these things will be judged and it will pass. And it will not make it into the age to come. So whether now in an immediate way over the next handful of days or whether at the end of the age, everything that has been produced by the world and its system will be dismantled. That's real kingdom politics. That's real kingdom politics.
like Daniel saw in his vision. This beautiful bridegroom king, when the son of man actually executes his judgments, his kingdom unending, his dominion eternal. When he executes his judgments, he will dismantle all of these other world systems and conversations. Well, Mike, I hear what you're saying, but what does that exactly mean? Um, That means that the Democratic Party is not going to make it into the fulfillment of the age to come. That means that the Republican Party, for everybody who just got excited because you're cheering on one side of the conversation, um, that means that the Republican Party is not going to make it into the fulfillment of the age to come. Um, All of these worldly conversations are exactly that. They are worldly conversations. They are worldly conversations because they are conversations that belong to the world. Real kingdom politics sounds like and looks like this. Our bridegroom king will come for us. And when he does, he will execute his judgments. And he will bring the world into loving obedience of the righteousness of his father. And he will dismantle all of these world's conversations. He will dethrone every power and principality. He will evict the tyranny of sin. This is real kingdom politics. But right here, right now, um, it, is, it is an imperative for us um, that we identify in our hearts all of the conversations from the world that are leading us into greater places of division. Um, the church is a really divided family right now. You know that. Um, I know that. Uh, and we're not just divided by, um, and this, this just sounds so bad when I say it. Um, but we're not only divided by all of the ways that we've preferred to be divided up until now. And what I mean by that is by all of our different streams, by all of our different denominational distinctions, these are ways that we have, we have subjected ourselves to division for a very long time. And we've embraced it. We've championed it. We've celebrated it. We've financed it. Uh, but now there are other ways. There are many more radical and hostile ways that we are subjecting ourselves to division. And what Paul communicates to us here in Ephesians 2 tells us that this should not be so. We are a new version of humanity that has created a new family in the earth. A family of representatives of another life because it belongs to another world. A family of ambassadors that are not representing all of these different worldly categories by way of distinctions and affiliations. Um, A family that no longer caters to ethnic distinction that no longer brings preference to skin tone or color. There are so many polarizing conversations that are happening right now. And we have to be very careful that we are not involving ourselves in the world's conversation and then attempting to hoist a Jesus banner in a conversation that belongs to the world and does not actually belong to the family that God created by the wisdom of the cross, the power of the blood, the purchasing of a people 
an inheritance from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Um, what, what does this mean in really simple terms? This means we don't cater to or celebrate any longer certain skin colors as being preferential than others. This means that's not our conversation. We're not talking black, white, yellow, green, purple, orange, red anymore. We're talking Jesus. We're talking the power of a new creation. We're talking we're a part of a new family. And this new family is inclusive of every tribe, nation, and tongue. So what do you mean celebrate one tribe, one nation, one tongue above another? What do you mean cater to one skin color above another? What do you mean prefer or create a lens where I enter into conversations and categories and preferences of one skin color above another? All of these things have been abolished by the precious blood of Jesus. All of these things have been conquered. Fear not, I have overcome the world. And the same spirit that was in me, I have put it in you. Um, and so the challenge becomes when though we carry divine life to conquer these things, we are enticed by these things. And because there's an element of these conversations um, where maybe the spirit of the world in our hearts has gotten a place of entertainment. Maybe the spirit of the world. Um, now, Mike, you may, or you may say, Mike, now, okay, hold on, but wait, 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 wait. Um, you know, there's real racism alive and there's real suffering for people and there's this and there's that. There is that. And, and that is very real and it's very real in the world. Um, and yes, um, are there people who may be a part of the family um, who are racist? You need to get delivered. Um, you need to get delivered. Um, you absolutely need to get delivered because as we've said before, you cannot be a believer and be a racist. The two do not simultaneously exist. There is no way to hug both sides. There is no way to link arms with both sides of the conversation. Again, it's not either or, it is above. And Jesus has conquered it all. He has created a way for us to be a family living in the world. Yes, surrounded by tension, but as beautiful representatives of carriers of divine life, offering hope to a broken world to come out of the world by coming into Jesus. There is no other way to actually authentically be set free from the spirit of the world than to be born again and to now be a carrier of the spirit of Jesus. There is no way. There is no hope. This is the only way and it is why we are the only products of actual hope in a broken world. Come out. Put your faith in the gospel. Repent of your own self-indulgence, your wicked rebellion and independence before God. Come out of the brokenness. Come out of the darkness. Come out of being dead and be made alive to God and be brought into union with his son by the power of his spirit. And let the spirit of the world be put to death. And all of its ways, all of its conversations, all of the hostile categories that it creates and then tries to lure us into being hostile towards one another, being divided from one another. I, I get it. This isn't some nice, neat, um, perfect, hey, we're all going to go to sleep tonight, get up tomorrow and 
snap our fingers, puff the magic dragon. This, they didn't how it works. But he wouldn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself. And he went to the lowest place. Man, where are those who are seeking to empty themselves and to go to the low place? He emptied himself and he went to the lowest place. And because he chose to go to the lowest place, his father exalted him far above every power, far above every ruler to rule, far above every dominion, every authority, far above every principality, far above every name to be named, far above because he went to the lowest place. His father honored him and exalted him and raised him up, 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 far above and seated him, enthroned forever, that at the name of Jesus, all of these other things will one day bow. They will fall subject. All of these other things. Yes, we know every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords to the glory of God the Father. Um, it's time that in our hearts, again, I'm not talking to the rest of the world. We expect brokenness in the world. We expect the celebration of sin in the world. We expect the tyranny and the captivity to self-indulgence in the world. We expect that because we are planted as a people in the midst of a world and a system that is very broken. We expect that from the world, but it is time in our hearts to begin to sift through the conversations that maybe have entertained us, the conversations that have lured us in, the conversations that have caused us to be hostile towards one another. And I'm not talking about one another as us and the world, but I'm talking about one another as in us within the household of God, us as within the family of God, us as a bride, us as a people, us as a church that have caused us to be hostile, that have caused us to re-erect the walls of division, that have caused us to re-establish differences and preferences and to cater to one another based off of these worldly, fleshly, carnal distinctions that have been abolished by the cross and the blood, because the cross and the blood have created a new community in the earth. And we are that community. But it is hard to provoke the world when we are giving way to the world's conversations. It's hard to be provoking to the world when we are going head first into the conversations just like the rest of the world. It's very difficult to offer hope to the brokenness of the world when we are entertaining and entangling ourselves into the brokenness of the system that belongs to the world. We have to see Jesus enthroned above it all. For if you have come alive to him and if you have been raised up with Christ, and seated in heavenly places, then no longer give yourself to, no longer set your mind on things below, 
but do what? This is Colossians 3. Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated, where Jesus is enthroned. Get your mind out of worldly things. Get your mind off of things that belong to what is communicated as below. Take your mind out of the entanglement and getting wrapped up in all of what may belong to the system of the world. Get out, get out, get out and come up, come up, come up. For if you have been raised up with Christ, alive to God, new life, divine life. If this is you, if you've been raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places, then you too, not just him, you too have been seated with him in heavenly places. Get your mind out of all of that stuff and set your mind on things above where Jesus reigns. Set your mind on things above where he rules. Set your mind on things above. While the nations rage, set your mind on things above. While they're hostile towards Yahweh, towards the ancient of days and his anointed one, set your mind on things above, for he's seated. And it's time for us to sift through the conversations. Um, to sift through all the accusations um, and in repentance to begin to reconcile in the family and to begin to put to death the world's conversation and to give it back to the world and to live as a family planted in our city as a local expression throughout the cities of our nation as local expressions and then throughout the nations of the world as an expression of the inheritance that Jesus paid for with his own blood. It's time, while we still have time, to begin to make the main thing the main thing. Bring the announcement of the gospel. Offer the broken world a real hope. Stop trying to satisfy their conversations with the solutions that they're putting a demand on. Give them what God has planted us here to give them. A bright light, a city on a hill, a beacon of hope, a bright shining star hung in the night of dark of a perverse generation. While we have time, we're not getting wrapped up in the world's conversations. We're offering the broken world a real solution. Repent and put your faith in the gospel. The only way out is to become a brand new creation, to become a new creature a new version of humanity and not just a polished up version of a broken humanity that just knows how to hoist a Jesus banner really well, that just knows how to use Christian rhetoric really well. Offer them a way out. Begin to shine a bright light. There are so many destructive polarizing things that are wielding a fierce a fierce a fierce sort of division i'm telling you come out of all of the racial conversations come out of all of the political conversations come out come out come out come out of all of the worldly conversations and begin to be a champion 
of Jesus's conversation. The announcement of the gospel. Ready yourself for the end of time will come. Whether that's at the end of our days or whether that's at the end of days, meaning the end of time, the consummation of the age. While we have time, let's really be about what he has planted us throughout the nations of the world to be about. See Jesus enthroned above it all. Preach hope found in this Jesus enthroned above it all. Do not offer solutions to worldly broken conversations. Preach the gospel. Preach the power of the cross. Preach the power of the blood. Preach this man, bridegroom king, king of kings, lord of lords. This is real hope. Um, it really can be that simple. Um, we make it way more difficult than that when we want more than that. Um, you see, some of us, we want more than that. And it's why we're enticed by the world's conversation. Some of us, we want more than that. It's why we're entertained by certain conversations that belong to the world. Some of us actually want other things than this bridegroom king. And we've created conversations that we want to belong to him rather than being a champion of the conversation that belongs to him and has overcome all of the other conversations that the world is projecting. Um, and, it, and it's just, it, it is, it is really, um, it, 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 it is really that simple. I know we want it to be more difficult than that, um, but come out and come up. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.